Hey guys, I'm so excited this week to bring you a podcast from one of my favorite podcasters, Michelle Smith of the Birth Ease podcast. Michelle's website is birtheaseservices.com and she is my exclusive hypnobirthing provider for my private doula clients. She works virtually with clients all over the world. Michelle Smith's episode is also the third most listened to episode on the birth story podcast behind my own two personal birth stories. If you haven't listened to episode 30, what is hypnobirthing? That I encourage you to go back and listen to Michelle's episode. This week, we turned the microphone around on me and Michelle interviewed me on her podcast about the birth or the launch of birth story media and how a book and an online course, and a podcast came to be. This was a really hard interview for me. It was the first time I had ever shared my story publicly. And my story is pretty dark. For those of you that don't know it, I welcome you into a corner of my life that I haven't shared much about. Thanks for investing your time to learn a little bit more about me. My story is about being broken and choosing to rise, choosing to survive, and launching a business and growing it in spite of it all. Welcome to this heartfelt space. I'm your host, Michelle Smith, and I'm so grateful that you are here. And I feel like I need to welcome the Birth Story Podcast listeners as well, because today I am incredibly excited and honored to have with me Heidi Snyderburn, the host of Birth Story Podcast. Heidi is an incredible doula, educator, and the CEO of Birth Story Media. And she is also the author of the Birth Story Pregnancy Guide and Journal, which is one of my absolute favorite, favorite books on pregnancy and birth. And you're going to hear me say that a lot (laughs) throughout this conversation. And so I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea and settle in because this conversation of the birth of her book is such an incredible journey. Welcome, Heidi, to the Birthies Podcast. I am so excited to have you here with me today and to celebrate your book. We finally have been able to get together to record this interview because we are both doulas and our clients kept being in labor. (laughs) Babies even tried to be born today, but they graciously waited for us to record this episode. And I'm so grateful. It is so true. I know we're both waiting on babies on the super moon. Lots and lots of babies. I'm so thankful to be here today and talk about my life's work. And I love the Birth Ease podcast. Thank you. I love your voice. Thank you. You know, your episode on my podcast is, I think, the number two most listened to podcast ever of my whole thing. Wow. Thank you. You have such a powerful voice for hypnobirthing and all things doula. So happy to just be chatting with you today. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I just absolutely love your podcast. And I'm so grateful 
that you're doing it because I feel like stories really teach and I love to share stories while I'm working with clients because they can gain a deeper understanding of a situation than if you just say this is this and that's that. But that hasn't been the focus of my podcast. And so again, I'm just so grateful because I feel like our podcasts are such a great complement to each other. And you too. And we share this really neat connection because I got to teach your best friend hypnobirthing. And who would have thought that all those years ago, we'd be here now with our podcast and you'd be sharing the story of your book with me. I know. And this was probably what, 2010? Probably. 2010, I think. Yeah. When Megan was pregnant with number two, Mm -hmm. I think because she was going for a VBAC. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually thinking I would try to be her dual and help from afar. And I ended up being on a soccer team in South Africa. So wow, I was way far away, but we did get a chance to chat when she was in labor just for a little bit. I think it was maybe the middle of the night in South Africa and she called, but you were just so instrumental in helping her prepare for her attempted VBAC. And I'm just so thankful that you were part of her life and her story and She went on to have five babies, you know? Yeah, yeah. She's so wonderful. I remember being so grateful because in one of our visits, she shared that she was chatting with her friend Heidi, who is also a doula, and that you had noticed such a positive change from our classes together. And then even if she didn't get the VBAC birth that she was planning, that the time together was so valuable. Yeah. And I mean, even in our conversations since then over those 10 years after, you know, she often would just kind of get into that relaxed state with just your voice and listening to, you know, some of your recordings. I'm so grateful to hear that because that's, What I feel like it's all about is tools that families can use for the rest of their life, not just for their birth. Yep. And so let's chat about your book. I really want to have you share the story of how you became a doula, how you got into birth work, and just this incredible journey that your life took as this book came into being. And... I have to say, with all sincerity, I truly love your book. It is incredibly informative, and it's unique in its format. Thank you so much. I'm just, this is the first time, just so your audience knows, that I'm actually talking about the birth of my book, the birth of the birth story, pregnancy guidebook and journal. So it started when I was 12 years old. And I got off the bus and I came into my house and I found my mom who was probably at the time just around 40 years old on the bathroom floor and miscarrying one of my siblings. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know she was pregnant. I remember that experience vividly. I was scared, but I was super calm. 
She didn't want to call, you know, 911 or anything like that. She was just like so calm and she was crying and sad. And she just was the baby's coming and I just hold my hand or sit here with me and it's going to be okay. It's a little tiny baby and, um, and it's died. And that was sort of the first time I was a doula. Wow. The baby eventually came and was very small, could fit in the palm of, you know, our hands. I don't even remember if it was a boy or a girl, biologically, male or female, but we put it in a little shoebox and Mm. buried the baby in the backyard and kind of never talked about it again. I'll be honest, you know, selfish little middle schooler moves on with your life. But then the dreams began probably from that moment on lots and lots and lots of dreams of babies, pregnancy. I would just became obsessed with every woman that I saw pregnant, just fascinated, but scared also like the whole concept of pregnancy just sort of scared me, but lots of premonitions. So from high school till now. I still get lots of premonitions about pregnancy. Like I can sort of sense when someone's pregnant, mm-hmm. even before they've announced, like if I'm with them, like their baby talks to me, like they're, I can feel that not like literally talks to me, but like, I can just feel that I'm with two people instead of one. Yeah. I've never tried to understand it. I, you know, I haven't tapped into that side of the visions, but they were there and they kind of called me to the work. And then fast forward, I went to college and went to graduate school and was getting an MBA. And one of my girlfriends had called me and said that she had had a baby when we were in high school. I didn't know her in high school and that she had already been through labor and delivery. And I believe her husband didn't know about that. And she really liked my massages and my soothing kind of voice. And when things get really intense. And so I went to her birth and it was so special to have been part of that story to kind of know her secret and to have sacred space for that, but also help guide her and her partner through their inauguration into parenthood. Her first experience, she was a vessel to motherhood for someone else. Mm. And so this was her first time being a mom. And so I walked out of that room after like, you know, 30 hours of labor and when that little boy was born, I mean, my whole world changed. Mm-hmm. And my sister was like, you were her doula. And I was like, what is a doula? And I immediately went to Google and I typed in D-U-L-A. Yeah. <laughs> not how you spell doula. Hopefully yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you know that it is D-O-U-L-A. And my sister is a sweet little hippie. I love her up in Asheville, North Carolina. And she shipped me this book called The Doula Book. Yeah. Hopefully have that show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think every doula has it. The Doula Book. And I read The Doula Book and I was like, devoured it. And I thought, what am I going to do with this? This is it. This is what God has been speaking into me for all of these years. And I just finished my MBA. <laughs> So I did what all sane, rational people would do. I did both. So I joined corporate America and focused on healthcare and also was a doula on the side with every vacation day I had for years. Wow. How did you manage that? 
was in sales. So as long as I hit my sales number, it was okay if you took a vacation day here or there. Oh, okay. And I didn't have a job where I had like projects with deadlines. That's not how sales works. It's kind of like show up, schmooze somebody, make a sale, and then like your month is over kind of thing. Okay. I had negotiated four weeks of vacation from a very young age. And then I eventually had five weeks of vacation. So I had so much vacation time. Someone would go into labor and I would just say, hey, I'm taking today off. Gotcha. And I would go to the birth. I was young too. So there was many stories where I was up all night laboring and I would keep my suit in the car because I worked at the hospital in sales and the moms were at the hospital. So I would walk out of the hospital in my doula yoga clothes. Mm-hmm. And then I would throw my suit on in the car and put some makeup on. And then I would go right back into the hospital as the sales rep. I mean, I can't do that anymore in my 40s. Yeah. <laughs> in my 20s. Yeah. You know, that's how I started my career and built my career as a doula. Wow. I'm just taking all that in, balancing that, because it's hard to balance life as a doula. So you started your career before you were married and before you had children. Yes. It's only been in the last three years that I let go of my corporate career. Wow. And I only am a doula. I mean, not only a doula, I also run my media company with the podcast and the book and all of that, but My only work is now as an entrepreneur and self-employed with my doula business. Okay. And that was just of three years ago. I mean, I was 39 years old. I'm 25 to 39. I did both. Wow. And that's a thing a lot of people don't realize. Most doulas need to have some other form of income because you can only attend so many births a month physically, mentally, emotionally, and you have to have that flexibility in your other job to leave at a moment's notice. Yeah. And you can only do so many. So even now I have a partner, Colin, with the company Doula Differently, and we partner together on every birth. Oh, nice. But we only take six per month. So Colin attends three and I attend three. I mean, every now and then we'll have a month where... There's, you know, August, this upcoming August, we have nine clients, which is a little much for us. Wow. But we'll do it. You know, we'll make it happen. But we try to just do three because otherwise, you know, the empathy, the emotion, the physical that goes into a birth, I, and I'm sure you're the same, Michelle, doulas come out of the birth completely wiped out completely depleted. It takes days to recover. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I know it takes weeks for the mom to recover, but it does. It takes days for your doula to recover because I am pouring every ounce of energy and emotion and tenderness and coaching, just physical manipulation of their body and massage for (laughs) 20 plus hours usually if it's a first time mom. A little bit less with second time off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. It usually hits me day three and it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm tired. It's like a bone weary tired. 
And for myself recently, for example, I filled in as a birth assistant for a home birth midwife friend of mine, and I ended up attending four births in eight days. Too much. Yeah, I was just tired. And I like to space them out a bit more, but I was very grateful that I got a night's sleep in between. The babies all took turns. They were very kind and considerate. So how did the book evolve? You got married, you had babies, and there was a journey to conceive your first child. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So I was what I would think people would call like an just an older mom and advanced maternal age, geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. The terrible things that they call us. It's just awful. Yes. I turned 42 nine days after my last baby was born. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I was a mom at 36 and 37. Okay. And with Max, my first, I actually started hormones three months after I had met my husband and he was deployed. And I don't think he knew I had started hormones, but I thought I definitely am going to marry this guy. But regardless, I'm 34, almost 35. I think I was turning 35. And I knew that if he wasn't the one, I was going to go down that route of like freezing my eggs or doing something, okay. but I wasn't ovulating. Oh, okay. So I was not having a period. I was not ovulating. And I went to the doctor and I was diagnosed in perimenopause. Oh my gosh. At 35? At 35. Yep. Oh, wow. So I started October of, that was maybe 2012. I started taking hormones. And so it took 10 months for me to ovulate mm. on these hormones. Now in that 10 months, we fell in love and got engaged and then got married. And it was all less than a year, you know, since we had even met. And at month 10, we were on a trip in Atlanta, Georgia to see a soccer game. And I peed on the ovulation stick. And it was one of those ones that gives you a smiley face if you're ovulating. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I ovulated. You know? <laughs> and so I was like, come here, we need to do that thing that you do to have babies. <laughs> <laughs> and the next morning, I knew I knew I felt conception. I mean, it was instant. I don't think it was that sperm was in there for six days. You know, it was like instant. I just felt like, I don't know, sparkles of electricity all over my body. And I remember I was eating cheese grits and they just tasted different. Wow. The next day, everybody thinks I'm crazy for saying this, but I did. I knew instantly. I knew. And I said, I'm pregnant. I totally know. hundred percent. I think I don't know, maybe eight or 10 days later, I had a positive pregnancy test. It was like so fast. And it could be wrong. It could have been like 12 days later. I don't know, but it was really fast. So it was before I would have had like a missed period. But again, I wasn't cycling. So it wasn't really a missed period. And that was Max. That's exciting. It was. And then Jagger, I asked my midwife at my six week appointment, how long do I wait to get pregnant again? Because now I'm going on 37. And she goes, I love her. Sage, she was on my podcast. Yes. When I interviewed her, she had been a midwife for 34 years. Well, she she's still a midwife. She tried to retire, but then she just went back to it. So she's still a midwife. I think she's on year 36 or 37 now. 
Wow. So Sage was my midwife and she said, at your age, you don't wait. (laughs) I said, okay. So we just kind of, you know, did our thing. And within five months postpartum, I was pregnant with Jacker. Okay. So kind of a little bit of a long, I mean, to me, that was long, 10 months to try to ovulate one time felt long. I know many have a longer journey than that, but right. And then Jagger just sort of showed up. So during that time, I was still practicing though. I remember like pumping in the room, you know, telling my clients, like, I just have to step away and pump. And I mean, that was probably the hardest season of being a doula is being tired with your own babies and then having to wake up in the middle of the night to nurse them. And then as soon as you fall asleep, someone wakes you up and is in labor. Yes. That was probably the hardest time. And I took the fewest amount of clients I ever had to take care of my family. And then throughout that whole time, because you would ask me, how did the book come about? Right? Yeah. So on this journey to parenthood, something changes in you when you become a mom and you hold that baby. And I'd been doing the same thing for, since I was, you know, graduated from college at 21 and here I was now second baby 37. And every time I was out of birth, Michelle, I loved writing. So I wrote every single baby of my whole career, a story after their birth. Wow. That's amazing. What I found was moms didn't remember much especially unmedicated. They would travel deep into this labor zone, this labor land, this galaxy. And for however many years, 10 years, I hadn't been a mom. So I was watching this unfold and I thought, where are they going? Mm -hmm. And then they come back, you know, with calmness and seriousness and clarity right before pushing. Right. Where did they just go? This must be the most unbelievably cool place to journey to. And I would write about it, how far apart their contractions were, what they sounded like, how people were taking care of them. If we were in the hospital, what medical interventions were being suggested or utilized? What was funny, you know? Hmm. And I wrote these letters to the babies. Dear Michelle, I'm your doula. I want to tell you about the day you were born or the days over you were born. And I collected um. And so I thought, you know, someday I should do something with this. And I, one point I had a friend who was pregnant and I printed them all out, like a hundred of them. And I printed them out and I bound them at FedEx Kinko's, you know, little spiral bound thing. And I gave it to her. And I remember thinking, this is a book. Like I'm, what I'm giving her is a collection of stories. It's a book. I should do something with this. And so I think once I started dreaming about it, I started thinking, I don't really want to do this sales job I'm in. And, you know, I don't know what to do with my life. I feel like this is a very long story, Michelle, but it's. I love it. (laughs) I love sharing it. Yeah, I love it. And for your audience, you guys, this is about to take a wild turn. So please stick with us. Mm -hmm. If you're like, oh my gosh, she's talking about a book. Like, no, we're about to get into some things that are going to blow your mind because they blow my mind daily. Like, how did that, how did my life turn into that? So there I was, I had all these stories and all these experiences and I finally was a mom and I was in love. And at two years old of my youngest, well, 
from the day he was born, we knew something was different. He had a double nuchal cord at his birth. He had significant heart decelerations. And I had to birth him very quickly. It was pretty urgent. It took two years to find out that he had suffered a stroke during his birth. Oh, my gosh. From the double nuchal cord. Which is the cord around the baby's neck. The cord around the neck. Yeah. Now, I don't want any of your audience listening, Michelle, to get scared about that. A double nuchal cord is very normal. Right, right. Wharton's jelly is the lubricant all around that cord that keeps it from nodding. It cannot, but like just getting... It protects it. Protects it. Yeah, it protects the blood flow, protects the blood vessels. Yeah. But umbilical cords have different lengths. Some Mm -hmm. are very long, some are very short. And in mine, I think it was just the perfect storm, right? Mm -hmm. It was probably a shorter cord and it was wrapped very tightly and the placenta is still attached to the uterus. And so as you're pushing, I think that cord just became very tight and it was compressed and the oxygen from the blood from the placenta to my baby was decreased. And so he suffered a small stroke on the left side of his brain. Mm -hmm. Um, he had a little bit of a limp and he was very slow to talk 18 months before he said his first word. So at two years, he gets diagnosed with cerebral palsy and it was devastating, but it was also a relief. Mm -hmm. And I had quit one job and it was the weekend of my 20th high school reunion. And I was starting that Monday at a brand new job and over the weekend, Jagger was hospitalized for a whole week while they tried to find out what was wrong with him. Wow. And this is where my story takes a big, dark turn that ultimately led to this book and where I'm at now. Shamefully, we get out of the hospital and I got on a plane and I flew to Dallas, Texas for this new job where I was training for three months. Oh my gosh. One of the darkest times of my life. So you had to leave the kids for three months after that? I had to leave. Yep. My husband had recently graduated from college and graduate school. He had been the stay-at-home parent. Oh, okay. And had a job at this point, but still like, you know, kind of your first job out of the military. It wasn't quite paying what my job was. And and I left and it was so hard and it was so dark. And I just remember being in this hotel room for like three months thinking, this is so wrong. Like, what am I going to do with my life? You know? And I got home and I told my husband, I have to quit my job. Like we can't do this. I don't care how poor we are. I will take on doula clients, but I have to be home with him. He needs PT. He needs OT. He needs speech. He needs all these things. And I have to be home with him. Mm-hmm. And my husband's name was Justin. And Justin said, why don't you write your book? Like, I really think you could sell this book and make money and do what you love. And I really think that you could replace enough of your income with your doula business to help our family stay afloat. And I said, you're right. And I quit. Wow. After being gone for three months, putting all that time in. Well, I lasted until April. So I I kind of had a four month transition, but by four months into the job, it was, I was done. Oh, okay. It was hard for me because the job was something I could have been passionate about. 
it was epilepsy surgery in children who had had strokes and birth. Oh, wow. Like major birth traumas who were having significant seizures daily. And I was selling a device that helped reduce seizures. So it was a job I could have been very passionate about. Yeah. In a community I really wanted to support, but I needed to support my child. Right. So you guys, are you with us still? Are you hanging in? Because this is shit is crazy what I'm about to tell you. So here I am. I've got this kid with cerebral palsy. I've just quit my job. I'm totally in love with my husband. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And one of my doula clients was adopting in Uganda. This is like the next summer. I'm like, I'm going to go on this little trip to Uganda and help her be her adoption doula. And like I had played soccer in Africa for two summers. And so like the continent of Africa sort of has a big place in my heart. And now I was the stay-at-home mom and was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And I went on this trip to Uganda and I got back a couple of weeks later. And I think my husband was afraid I was going to be like, we need to adopt five babies. And he had left a computer for me with a sticky note on the top of it that said, write your book. It is time. Wow. And I was like, you're right. It is time. And a month later, he tried to commit suicide. Oh my gosh. So there I was, 2018, no job, no motivation to write a book, deeply sad, trying to figure out what, what just happened. Why, why, why did my husband just try to commit suicide? Hmm. And I went away with the kids for six weeks so that my husband could go to get like some medicine and go to counseling and heal and all of these things. And um, we returned in October of 2018. And he handed me a letter and said, the words you never want to hear, we need to talk. Or a little word. And this letter outlined that she is a transgender woman. Now we're recording this in 2021, Michelle. So my ex-husband in my eyes died that day. Hmm. I very much feel like a a widow on most days. I was deeply in love. I change pronouns now. She was deeply in love with me. And she had to say out loud her truth in order to save her life. Well, what do you do, right? Right. I woke up the next morning. I mean, that that day and night is kind of like a blur. Right. I woke up the next morning and I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old and I have no job. I'm completely financially dependent on this person. And I, you know, I, I'm very confused. I'm in a very dark place. I've got this laptop that says with a sticky note on it. I still haven't opened that said, write your book. It's time. And I thought, what the F, I have to go take the kids to preschool right now. Right, right. Like, what just became of my life? Wow. And even in the space of three years, I don't think there was the same awareness that there is now. No. So it must have been so shocking and isolating. Right. 2018 was a different year than 2021 which I hope is a very different year than 2030. Yeah. 
very shocking, very isolating. At the time, I would have used the word humiliating. I've grown through a lot of my grief. Hmm. At the day this happened, I'd never even heard the word transgender. I mean, besides like Caitlyn Jenner, I knew nothing. My world was devastated. Yeah, I'm not going to go into this whole story for your birth podcast, Michelle, but if anyone is interested in learning more about that journey, I connected with two other women in the world somehow with my same story of having a spouse who transitioned. And we started a podcast called Thanks, It's the Trauma. So that whole story lives on Thanks, It's the Trauma podcast. But as it pertains to the birth story, pregnancy guidebook and journal, I dropped the kids off at preschool and I came home and I didn't know what to do. Like, what do you do? Just cry your life away. I knew that day I had to make a decision to survive. Yeah. Like I knew that there was a light inside of me that was still flickering. And if I could just tap into that light that was flickering, I was going to make it. I was going to survive, right? Yeah. Like I was going to lose my marriage. My spouse was going to transition to be a woman. And I didn't know what the consequences of that were going to be for friends, family, society, culture, schools, groceries, shopping. I mean, all the things. I was level 10 terrified. And I just came home and I thought, I I have three and a half hours a day alone. What am I going to do with that? And so I started Birth Story Media Wow! because I needed something that I was passionate about that made me happy, that brought me joy. And, you know, I knew with certainty that I had to write this book. And so I wrote it. (laughs) My gosh. Wow. You had a dream about it too, didn't you? Yeah. Or, well, not really a dream. It was more of an experience, right? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked me about that. I forgot to tell that part of the story. So for those of you that are listening to Michelle's podcast, because you're into hypnobirthing and meditation, guided meditation, healing journeys, that kind of thing. This is very, a big part of my life. So one of my best friends, Amy lives in Louisville, Kentucky. And just before this, just before my life got turned upside down. I had flown to Kentucky to hang out with my best friend, Amy, and she took me to a salt cave. Now, remember, Michelle, when I mentioned that I have deep visions? Mm -hmm. Well, meditation can get scary for me because I can go deep and I can go deep quick and I can go far on these. these, Like, it's like I don't take opioids or, but it feels like that I did, you know? Right. Because I can just go so deep into these almost like hallucinative imagination journey. We call it journeying, journeying inward. But like I can journey inward really quickly. So we had an hour in the salt cave and I, I went to this crazy place and I came out of it and I said to Amy, turn your video camera on. Because whatever just happened to me in that room, we have to record it. Mm -hmm. So this was before I had quit my job. This was before my husband had let me know they were transgender, before my husband had tried to commit suicide. Like this is when like my life was good. Okay. Totally like in this amazing, like I have the best life place. 
And this vision was I had walked out into the ocean and all of the women that I had ever birthed with were surrounding me. And they came and lifted me up. And I was like laying flat on my back and they lifted me up out of the water and the sun was on me and they were surrounding me. Hmm. And there was this black curtain and I knew the future was on the other side of that black curtain. And up on the shore, I could see Max and Jagger in this little girl. And I remember I said there was the number three everywhere. So I'm, I'm remembering this journey and it was just this number three everywhere, three, 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 three. And I was trying to make sense. Like, what does three mean? Who's this little girl? And then Max had picked up the little girl and was carrying the little girl and Jagger had come out into the ocean with me. And it was very certain that Jagger, my youngest and I were super connected, but that Max was very connected with this little girl. And I was like, who is this little girl? And I asked the meditation over and over again, like, where's Justin? Like, where's my husband? Where is he? What are we supposed to do with our lives? Are we going to move? Are we going to have new jobs? I was just kind of asking in this journey. And Justin was nowhere to be found Hmm. because my soul knew, my soul knew Kaylee's soul's story. We were married. God joined us as one. My meditation was sharing with me, you know, that this little girl was being born, Kaylee, and Justin wasn't there. And this was a year before the truth unfolded. So I must have had this meditation at the exact moment that uh, Justin was starting to realize and come to terms with the little girl inside of her that was being born and that Kaylee was coming and that Justin was gone, gone, not there. And then there was this black curtain of the future. And I just kept saying, God, why, why can't I see my future? What's on the other side? And there was a rectangular cutout of the shape of a book, it, like a keyhole. God spoke directly to me in that moment, in that journey and said, write your book. That is your key in the keyhole. And then I'll drop the curtain and I'll show you what the rest of your life looks like. Wow. <laughs> I have goosebumps from head to toe. So you guys. I wrote that book. I wrote that dang book in three months through grief. Wow. And I wrote it with every single person listening to this podcast, listening to my podcast, every person on a journey to parenthood, I wrote it with them in mind. And it was very much God-led. God gave me every word in that book. So I took the collection of birth stories that I had from all of my clients And I made a book about education through storytelling. Yes. So instead of me telling you what to do and how to be and what to eat and, you know, what this is like, I told you stories of all of the women who came before you that had a doula that I was with and what their journey looked like. And as the book evolved, it really became three books in one. Yes. I realized it had to be a memory keeper, right? Yeah. So there had to be a journaling component to it. I also realized a lot of women have trouble connecting to their baby before their baby's born. So there had to be a component of helping moms or those that identify as moms or parents connecting with the baby inside of them. I also wanted to honor cesarean sections and adoption, loss, fertility journeys. So I hand selected 42 birth stories 
based on 42 weeks of pregnancy. If you're like me, I just dated to 43. So sorry, we didn't have a 43rd week of pregnancy, (laughs) but 42 weeks of pregnancy in the way it's laid out, Michelle, I know that you've read it, but so your audience knows is that it's meant to be read week by week, digestible, simple. It's easy. It's not overwhelming. Yes. And every term. So I had a 20 year old, 22 year old read it. And then a 24 year old read it and whatever, all these young twenties read it. And I said, highlight anything you don't understand. So the first one is mucus plug. The next one is bloody show. <laughs> the next one is three, one, one or four, one, one or five, one, one, whatever people want to choose. But like, what is that? The next one is ring of fire. You know, all these terms that I was using in the stories that these young girls were like, I don't know what that means. And those became pop outs, educational pop outs. But but y'all, it's not like the dictionary says a mucus plug is. It's like from a doula, from the heart, this is my experience and what a mucus plug is, what it looks like, how you experience it. So each week you get a postcard from the womb and that's the connection. That's the 42 week guidebook. That's week by week. What is happening with your baby inside of you? What's their development? What are your needs? How much water do you need to drink? What are we doing for your constipation? What's going on with your baby's eyes, heart, lungs, legs, bones. So each week you get to learn about what is going on with your baby and your body. Then you get an affirmation, which Michelle, you recorded for me. I did. I did. All of these amazing birth affirmations to this gorgeous music, but they're all written in the book. There's a journaling prompt that's really introspective because again, I wanted the book to be a memory keeper, like right in this book, right in it and keep it forever. And then read the stories and become excited and empowered on how to speak up, how to prepare, how to plan for the birth that you want, no matter what that looks like. That looks different for everyone. Yeah, yeah. That's my birth story, Michelle, (laughs) of my book. Wow. You're just amazing. I have so many thoughts around it. So many. But I'm going to start with, it's absolutely beautiful. And it's heavy. It's substantial. And I feel like when women become pregnant, there's so little education because you don't go to your first OB appointment or midwifery appointment until your nine, 10, 11 weeks. And you don't take childbirth education classes until later in your pregnancy, or you don't meet with your doula until later in pregnancy. Some reach out early, but there's this little, I'm just going to call it a void in that education, in that support. And so your book really helps to fill in that space. So there's guidance and there's a voice and there's somebody there with you because there's so many questions. And that's one of the things that I really love about your book. Thank you. All of those things were built with intention. I took 17 years as a birth doula 
and I also devoured every pregnancy book on the market, just so everyone's clear about that. I did my research. Yes. And you have an OB that consulted with you for the book as well, correct? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I should give Dr. Thorpe a lot of credit here. (laughs) So I wanted to make sure that everything that I was saying was medically accurate because I am not a medical professional. So I did partner with the director of obstetrics from Chapel Hill, one of our leading universities in our country for obstetrical care. So Dr. John M. Thorpe Jr. He's very philanthropic and he runs a program at UNC Chapel Hill called UNC Horizons. And it focuses on helping women that are addicted to opioids and drugs, not have their babies taken away from them. And to help get them clean and sober, find jobs, give them skills. It has a five-star daycare associated with it. And it has housing and it keeps moms and babies together. Wow. So many of the proceeds of each book go to UNC Horizons because of the contribution that Dr. John Thorpe put into making sure that the book is medically accurate for each reader. Wow. That's beautiful. I'm at a loss of words. That's just really incredible. Yeah, we're really building a company. I mean, philanthropy was at the forefront of this. The podcast, the birth story podcast was meant to be free, right? Mm-hmm. Just like mine. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't afford a doula, if you can't afford a book, if you can't, I hope that OBGYNs and midwives across the country will say, can you find your way to a podcast player, right? And get education through some of these amazing podcasts like the Birthies podcast, right? Like the Birth Story podcast. These are opportunities for free resources. And so it was really important that we had that philanthropy built in with, so the book you have to buy, you have to buy it, you have to pay for it. But then what were we going to do with the proceeds, right? Besides you know, help a single mom pay for, <laughs> right. pay for groceries. Right, which is you important. Know? Right. So some of the proceeds go to UNC Horizons and then others go to JOPRI, which is the nonprofit for the orphanage that I had oh. mentioned in Uganda. So it pays the teacher's salaries and helps put food, like healthy, nutritious food on the lunch table for all of the students and orphans in this, it's a school slash orphanage called Kidron Valley School and Orphanage in Jinja, Uganda. Wow. Wow. So hopefully everybody wants to buy a copy. (laughs) Yes. Again, it's a really beautiful book. And I am absolutely awed that you could write this book in three months with everything you were going through. I think anytime someone's experienced a significant trauma is in a grieving process. It's important that we find that light though. Like, and that light looks different for everyone. So for me, I could feel that there was a piece of a piece, a tiny smidgen of a piece of joy inside of me. And I knew that that joy was coming from my children and it was coming from my life's work as a doula. And so it was like, if I can just pour into those two things, I could find joy. I would survive. Like I would survive it. And here we are. Like, I want to be very clear for the listeners too. I am grieving deeply still. I still cry every single day over the life that I lost. 
right? Every day. And it's been almost three years. I, I'm not sure how long you grieve. It could be a lifetime. I've never been on a date again. I'm not sure I ever will. I've lost many friendships over this because transgender women don't make everyone feel comfortable, right? Yeah. It has been very isolating, very lonely, very sad. And the community that I have around Birth Story Podcast, my listeners, the direct messages that I get, just the Instagram followers, just the feedback of connecting to a community of women that are pregnant and I'm supporting them and I'm helping them and I'm helping reduce the chances that they have some kind of trauma in their life. Right. You know, that is keeping me afloat. But people say, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, I mean, (laughs) you know, I don't know if I'll ever be okay, but I'm surviving. Yeah. And I'm really, really, really proud of my book and the impact that it's making. And if I'm really honest and clear, Michelle, like I want this book to be at Target. (laughs) Like I want it to show up on the first page of Amazon. I firmly believe that I wrote the best pregnancy guidebook on the planet. Yes. I'm still struggling with how do I get it out into the world as a self-published author. So there's that. Yeah. So where can the listeners find your book? Yes. Well, you can actually find it on Amazon. You just have to type in like all the right things. Birth story, pregnancy guidebook. You know, you'll find it on Amazon. I don't make any money though on Amazon. So I'll be, be really honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Everybody like all that philanthropy to UNC Horizons, Jopri and helping support a single mom author over here. Amazon doesn't help me, but you can get it there. Birthstory.com. I do get the proceeds. So I have birthstory.com is my website. You can buy it directly from me. And also, if you're listening to a podcast, you might be an Audible kind of person. So I have more Audible sales than anything else. So you can use one of your monthly credits that you get and download the audiobook on Audible too. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. And then Michelle, for your listeners, I made a discount code because I really want your clients and your listeners to have access to my book. And so it will be 50% off and free shipping if they buy it directly from me. So if they go to birthstory.com and use code birthease, so just B-I-R-T-H-E-A-S-E, birthease, then I'll give them 50% off and free shipping. And it would be my pleasure to give that to your audience. Oh my gosh, Heidi. Thank you. Thank you. That's so generous. And I know my listeners and my clients will truly gain so much value from that. So generous. And so before we close out this conversation, I like to ask my guests to share a pearl of wisdom with the Berthies families. And I'm sure that this pearl will be valuable to the birth story families as well. So what would that pearl of wisdom be? Patience. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So I alluded to the fact that I had a 
10 month fertility journey. And I alluded to the fact that I had a 43 week gestation of my very healthy 10 and a half pound first child that I birthed vaginally. But mamas, I see you and I feel you and I went through it myself. It is very difficult to be pregnant and to sit day by day without control, seemingly, right? But there is so much we can control, right? We can eat nutritious food. We can put our feet up. We can practice our hypnobirthing. We can practice relaxation and self-care. And we can practice patience. So if there's anything that's really part of my doula business that my clients hear over and over again is like, you just have to make plans that you hopefully will break. But don't sit around for nine or 10 months waiting for your baby to come. Your baby is coming. Your baby is safe. Your baby is growing. Everything's going to be fine. You don't have to race into an induction if you are healthy. The average gestation of a first-time mom goes well into the 42nd week. So just sit tight. Trust your body's innate wisdom and that you'll, you'll have a baby. They are coming. My second pearl of wisdom from my whole experience, Michelle, is that gender and biological sex are two different things. And the baby inside of you, the only thing that you may know about them if you test in advance or do an ultrasound, is you may know their biological sex. That is not their gender. Gender is defined as a social construct. It's something emotional. It's about feelings. It has nothing to do with your genitals. And so I really want to impart that on as many audiences as possible as Please be careful and delicate with the term gender reveal because you are not revealing your child's gender. You are revealing their biological sex. You're telling the world about their genitals. You aren't sharing anything else about your experience of parenting children or parenting children of a specific gender or gender spectrum when you find out what their biological sex or their genitals look like. That's really important piece of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some very powerful pearls of wisdom. It probably is. So for today, <laughs> those will be my closing words. <laughs> so thank you, Heidi. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for the opportunity to get to provide you the space to share your story. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. And thank you all for listening. I highly encourage you to tune in and listen to Birth Story Podcast. And again, you can get a copy of her book. It really, really is one of my favorite books. I like it because it's digestible. And again, it's a companion week by week through the pregnancy. 
And I feel like it just brings all of those important elements together. A journal, the baby's development, a letter from the baby, affirmations, information, gaining an understanding of pregnancy and the birth process and postpartum through stories. So go to birthstory.com and use the code BIRTHEASE to get your own copy of the Birth Story Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal. You will be supporting some incredible organizations. And remember, you can help both Heidi and I get this wonderful information we both share on our podcast out by rating, following, reviewing Birth Story Podcast and the Birthies Podcast. And so thank you again for listening. For more great conversations like these, or to find out more information and access Michelle's library of amazing guests, go to birthdeeservices.com forward slash podcast. For more information on the Birthdees Method, Michelle's classes, meditations, and other services, go to birthdeeservices.com. <laughs>